0: We've been talking about uh, this message uh, called Revival, and, and it's really not a message. It's it's what we're experiencing. Amen? <laughs> okay, n- nobody else believed that but me. I said it's not really a message. It's what we are experiencing. Amen? It's what we're seeing happen in our midst. How many of you are so blessed on Sunday? Amen? That was, oh, man. I hope you guys didn't just fizz out already. Like, it's like Wednesday and you know, the, you know, it's like when you take the food out of the microwave, and by the time it gets to the table, it's already cold. Has that ever happened to anybody? Hopefully, that's not our hearts tonight. Hopefully, it's not like, you know, we were, we were on fire on Sunday, and we were, you know, rolling around all over here, all over the carpet, and I saw Jesus just touching people left and right. Hopefully, it hasn't worn off, because every single day, you have access to the Lord. Every single day you have access to the presence of God through the power of his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? So when you walk into this room, you don't have to wait to get set on fire. You can carry the fire of God with you wherever you go. Amen? You don't have to wait to be like, you know, you know put in the oven of God's glory to get warmed up. You don't have to wait to be, you know, you know, somebody has to stir up your spirit for you to, to rejoice in God of what he's doing. I said, we're not talking about revival. We're experiencing revival. There's a huge difference. Amen. There's a huge, huge difference. And the last couple of weeks, we've seen the Lord just do an incredible work. And I'm so thankful, church, because I, I, this, is, this is prayer that is answered this is prayer that is being answered right before our very eyes. I know a lot of times that we pray, and sometimes, how many of you have ever forgotten what you prayed? Has that ever happened to you? Sometimes you, you pray, and you, you know, you ask God for this and that, and sometimes it just kind of, you know, falls by the wayside. You forget about it, and then, and then all of a sudden, it happens, and then you realize, you're like, oh, wait, that was God. It had nothing to do with me. That was God. He made it happen in his time, and what we've been uh, stepping into and what we've been experiencing uh, the, the past few months, to be honest, is a move of God. And I want us to understand something, church. This is really important. This is crucial. I hope you understand this. This doesn't happen every day. This isn't like the most common thing ever in, in churches today. This isn't something that is normalized in our, in our churches anymore. Most of the time, it's just, you know, you, know, you, know, you come in, you, you, you do a couple songs, you, you may put something in a basket or a bucket. You, you listen to a preacher say some, some nice words and, and share a verse or two, and then you walk out and you live your life as if nothing happened. But when God begins to sovereignly move because his people have postured their hearts, And they have bowed down and they've they've shown humility before the Lord and they've seen God begin to move. Listen, this is key. This is us understanding the kind of move that we're in and understanding what the Lord is actually doing. How many of you want more of what God has been doing? Amen. You want more of what God has been doing. Because listen, this is not just for you. This is for your family. It's not just for your family. It's for your coworkers. It's not just for your coworkers. It's for your neighbor, amen? It's for your city. It's for this region. God wants to do something in our life, and we have to let him. We have to let him, church. We have to give him the room and the place and and, and the, the atmosphere to be able to do what he wants to do. Give him the place and the authority that he so rightfully deserves. I'll never forget, you know, the scripture that talks about uh, on that day when, when Jesus was, was on the back of that donkey and he was coming in and it was the triumphal entry into Bethlehem. He's there and people are waving these palm branches and they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, you know, blessed is the name of the Lord. And they're, and they're singing his praises, but there was a group of people how many know that the devil even sits in the church as well? There's a group of people that even in the midst of God's praises, even in the midst of somebody shouting for Jesus and rejoicing in what Jesus has done and rejoicing in who he is, there's always somebody that's going to raise up and say, be quiet. And on that day, there was a group of people that had sat from the sidelines. Their name were the Pharisees. They said, be quiet. Be quiet. They tried to hush the praises of God's people. They tried to diminish what Jesus and who he was. They tried to say he's not that worthy. He's not that good. You know, y'all can settle down just a little bit. And there's something that, that gets my heart so fired up is when I see people in the midst of a move of God that they're resistant They dig in their heels and they straighten their neck and they straighten their back and they refuse to stand when everybody else is standing and they refuse to bow down when when everybody else is bowed down and they refuse to worship and pray when everyone else is worshiping and praying. Break that thing off of your life and let God do what he wants to do in your life. Don't let the enemy hinder what God wants to do in your life. It's nobody else's business how you worship God. He's worthy. I said he's worthy. He's infinitely worthy, church. I better preach something to you tonight. I'm blown away by what he's doing. I'm so in awe of what he's doing. I saw a sister over here to my left on Sunday She about jumped through the roof. (laughs) I saw the Holy Spirit begin to touch her, and and I was like, I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like, she was, like, levitating, (laughs) you know? Like, I mean, it was, you know, Pastor said he he was pretty sure she was just going to take off, you know, start flying through the room. The Holy Spirit was all over her life. And I love to see that. Amen? I love to see that abandonment to say, Lord, I don't care what I look like. I don't care if I got tears and boogers and the ladies for you, the makeup, you know, hopefully there's no dudes that wear makeup, you know, but, but, you know, listen, you know, ladies, the makeup and all that stuff. I remember in the old sanctuary when we were uh, in the, in the other side of the building, and some of you may remember this. I know Sister Rosie, you know, was here back then and and my wife and some people, but I remember back then in in the old altar, we had this like, uh, what was it, mauve, it was mauve carpet. Sorry, I was trying to get the color right. It was like this mauve carpet is like pink, basically. And I remember all over the altar, because I don't think they had it back then, but I know that ladies have like, uh, what is it called, like waterproof mascara nowadays? You know, so you can cry and it doesn't like, you know, do anything. That carpet, you should have seen the black dots all over that carpet where it was so stained with mascara and tears and, you know, just makeup or whatever was on there. I have no idea what people left behind. All I know is that people, were they had a, a, an abandonment to let God do what God wanted to do. Amen. And we need to be okay with that again, amen? We need to normalize allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in our churches again, amen? We need to normalize allowing God to have his way in our life. And nobody else be concerned about it or judgmental or, or condemning. But, but, but welcome it and go by and fan the flame and say, yes, God, give her more. Give her more. Give him more, God. Give him more. That's what we need to, to be focused on, amen? And so I'm blown away by what he's doing, and it's the Lord. You, you see, we're not seeking revival for revival's sake. We're seeking the God of revival. Amen? It's not just because it's a, it's a, it's some people, you know, oh, man, i got to say this. Some people have this idea, this notion in their heart and in their mind that they think that revival is, is nothing more than people, you know, hooting and hollering and shouting and dancing and, and rejoicing and all that stuff. No, that is the response of a heart that's been set free by the Lord. You see, you can't help but, but, but get undignified in the presence of God when you have been set free. But the bound are the ones that are the most quiet. The individual that's had their heart in chains and their heart is cold and numb, you know, if I was... In a freezer right now, I probably wouldn't be able to mutter a word. And some people's hearts are so cold. They're so dead. They're so, they're so you know, it, they don't see what he's doing in front of them. And so, therefore, they have no response. But when you see what he's doing, amen, when you're experiencing his glory, when you see what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, it, it, it just so happens to flow from you in response to God. Amen. We're seeking and desiring a true move of the Lord, not just a sermon series, not just for a season, but for a lifetime. This is why we're seeking the Lord the way we are seeking him. And this is why we're experiencing what we're experiencing. You see, revival is a renewed conviction of sin. It's a renewed conviction of repentance followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. How many of you want to obey the Lord? Amen. It's giving up your will to God in deep humility. It's giving up your will in deep humility saying, Lord, do what you want to do. I remember a few months ago, we were, we were fasting a, a few brothers uh, in Christ and I, Prince and Daniel. Uh, and we were fasting and, and we, we went through this fast and the Lord showed me clearly two things. Two things he spoke to me that were, were, I mean, so pronounced in my heart. And it was this. He would reveal himself in a deeper way amongst us under two conditions. He would move through humility and he would move as long as he got the glory. He would move through humility and he would move as long as he got the glory. Revivals stop because man takes the credit. Revival stop because somebody said, it's because I preached. Oh, it's because I led worship. Oh, it's because I was a part of this. Oh, it's because I was a part of that. I laid hands on this person and that. Listen, that has nothing to do with it. Has nothing to do with it. He will move through humility. In other words, he will move through a vessel that's yielded to him and surrendered to him. Amen? He will move When he gets the glory, something that's been happening recently. And I've just been hearing of more and more testimonies. Amen. How many of you love testimonies? And man, I'm hearing testimonies. And the more testimonies I hear, the more fired up I get. Because every single testimony is like a seed. And it's like a key. You hear a testimony of something that, that the Lord did for somebody else and you found, they, they found that victory in their life, a breakthrough in their life, in, in whatever their petition was. And all of a sudden it gives you faith enough to believe that it could happen for you too. That's what testimonies do, right? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God, right? And so when we hear the word of God, when we actually see the word of God fulfilled, when somebody says, I was blind, but now I see. It causes somebody else that's blind to say, I can see. If I would just believe in Jesus. It causes somebody else to believe in their heart and in their life to know that as long as they trust in him, the promises that he has made for their life can be theirs as well. This is what faith is. Amen. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, it says this. In your relationships with one another, it says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Wow. This is Jesus talking. This is Jesus. What did he say again? He is in the very nature himself God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. And under the earth, that's the demons too. And every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Holy Spirit, just have your way, Lord. Speak through me tonight. I pray, Lord, that that your word, Father, would go forth in power and authority, God. Holy Spirit, just speak to every heart in this place, God. We receive your word tonight in Jesus' name. Everyone says amen if Jesus think about this who has the name above all names if Jesus who has the name above all names didn't consider his equality with God something to be used for his own advantage how much more humility should we live with if he didn't consider you know himself like he he's God in the flesh you we realize this right He's the son of God. He is God in the flesh. He doesn't consider himself equal with God. He doesn't consider himself somebody that that is is touting his his glory or his majesty or or his kingdom. But he's serving you and I in love. He's showing us what true humility looks like. He's showing us what a relationship in humility and submission to the father looks like. If Jesus made himself nothing to serve others, how much more should we? How many of you like to go to restaurants? Raise your hand. I know you do. You didn't have to answer that. I just know you do. Amen. We love to go to restaurants. and One of my my favorite restaurants is Longhorn Steakhouse. Hopefully, I hopefully this video doesn't shut off or whatever for copyright reasons. <laughs> but I love to go to Longhorn Steakhouse. Why? Because there's a, a few things on the, on the menu that I really love. They have this thing called Wild West Shrimp. And it's this little heavenly boat of shrimp with ranch. And there's like all this stuff in there. And then there's, you know, this steak that I get that is amazing. It's a ribeye and I get it cooked medium. And when they cook it medium, it's the best thing ever awesome it's awesome it's awesome so I love everything about this restaurant but one of the things I've noticed is that if if you are a Christian you are a believer and you are a follower of Jesus even though you are the person that's sitting at the restaurant you don't have the right to demand people to just you know my water's half empty there's a water spot on my spoon. Because I've seen believers and Christians get out of church on Sunday and then go act like a devil in a restaurant right after service. And they walk in all high and mighty with their nose to the, to the, to the heavens and they think that somehow that they're, that they're walking on water like Jesus and they, they demand to be served. They need to be served. They need to be treated a certain way when they walk into the restaurant because they're God's child. That sounds okay, but it reveals nothing about who Jesus is. I'll be honest with you, I don't like it when people complain in restaurants. It's like the worst thing ever. When somebody is complaining in a restaurant that's at my table, I like literally want to change tables. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go to the other table. One, because there's people that can do stuff to my food. And two, because it's an embarrassment to the kingdom of God. We are the ones that are supposed to be the most humble. Can somebody say amen? We are the ones that are supposed to walk in this earth. The Bible says, wise as serpents, yet harmless as doves. We're the ones that are supposed to serve one another in love. Amen? We're the ones that are supposed to walk in humility before all men. So that they can see the representation of Jesus through our life. If Jesus humbled himself to obey the Father's plan to give his life, how much more should we? If he humbled himself in such a way where he was like, listen, I am going to submit myself to the Father's plan, not my plan. What did he say when he was on the cross? He said, not my will, but your will be done. It's not about me. It's not about my life. It's not about, you know, me thinking that I have the authority to do with with my life what I want to do. Because Jesus had authority to lay his life down. But the Bible says he willingly gave it. See, you have an authority over your life. You have an authority over your life where you can choose to do what you want to do. But you've also been given the option to live In submission to the way the Father would want you to live. Huge difference. Because you can walk into work and you can act a certain way and live a certain way. Because you hold this title or that position or what have you. But at the end of the day, if you say you represent God. If you say you are a follower of Jesus, then your life must model and look like Jesus. It must look like an individual that's willing to serve I heard that saying, you know, years ago, and it impacted my life in such a great way as a, as a young leader. And it said this, it says, if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. In other words, if you're above humbling yourself, then you have no business in leadership in God's kingdom, because the least shall be the greatest, and the last shall be first. See, it doesn't work that way in the world. In the world, it's, it's you know, every man for himself, right? It's a, it's a dog-eat-dog world. It's, it's you, know, you know, you climb to the top no matter how many people and heads you step on on the way up there. That's the way the world works. But in the kingdom, it's the complete opposite. We humble ourselves and we take on the mind of Christ just the way that he lived. Christ didn't empty himself of his deity. This is something that's important to understand. He didn't empty himself of his deity or his divinity, but he acknowledged the fact that his power was not his own, but it came from his father. John 14, 10 says this, don't you believe me that I am in the father and that the father is in me? He said, the words I say to you, I, I do not speak on my own authority, but rather it's the father living in me who is doing the work. And so if the Father is living in your life, if the Lord is in your life, then guess what? It's not you that when you lay hands on somebody that you did the work. It's the Lord working through you. Amen? In fact, when God, when the Lord has ever done anything through my life, I can be totally honest and transparent with you. It is the most humbling thing in the world. There's times where I know that God has used me. And as soon as I get off the pulpit, you'll see me disappear for a moment. And I go back behind these walls and I cry. And I say, God, how is it that you would ever use an individual like me, Lord? I am not worthy, God, to even, you know, set foot in your kingdom, God. I'm not worthy to call upon your name. But yet the Lord uses the humble. The Lord's spirit works through your life, but we can take no credit. For his work. If Jesus didn't take credit for it, neither should we. Amen. John 14 and 28 says, you heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. He says, if you love me, then you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. He says, for the Father is greater than I. There's so much more power that the Lord has for your life and in your life. But we ask ourselves this question, how did Jesus Empty himself. During his life in the flesh as a man, Jesus always lived for the Father until his appointed time to be glorified again. John 17, verse 5, it says, He said, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world began. Jesus showed us, church, The way. This is why we honor him. This is why we worship him. Because he was sinless and he was perfect. But in everything that he did, he modeled for us the path of righteousness. He modeled for us the way to please the Father. To walk in faith. To walk as an obedient son and I will even say a daughter of God. He showed us what it looked like, and he showed us that it's possible through a relationship with him. Amen? Sometimes we think, you know what, you know, uh, well, I'm just a sinner, and I'm going to live in sin. I'm going to be bound to sin, or or I've I've got this disease, and it's just what I've always had, and I'm I'm bound by that thing. It's always going to be attached to my life. But listen, Jesus, if he showed that people could be free of sin, and if he showed that people could be free of sickness and disease, we have to believe it. What does the Bible call you and I? Believers. The only difference between you and somebody in the world is belief. You are a believer and they are an unbeliever. No difference. You believe and therefore you are set free by the blood of Jesus, and they don't believe and therefore they are not forgiven of their sin. That's the only division, that's the only difference. So we are supposed to believe in what the Lord is showing us. And so if Jesus had an appointed time, how much more should we remain in humility, serving one another with the same mindset that Jesus had? Amen? It's time to earnestly pray for one another. Amen? That's humility. It's time to love one another with the love of Christ. Amen? That's humility. How many of you have ever done something for your neighbor? You know, you you got a neighbor, right? Right? maybe some of you don't. I don't know if you live and you have like 100 acres and you just live out there by yourself. But I have neighbors, you know, and, and every now and again, you know, my neighbor might forget to bring in his trash can and I'll just walk it up to his house, you know. Or, you know, maybe they're out of town and they need me to look after something for them. I'm always trying to serve them in love. Always trying to serve them in love. Always trying to be an example of what the love of Christ looks like amen it's time to speak truth to one another you see that's loving somebody and that's serving them in humility some of you are afraid to tell somebody around you that they are living in sin or that they have something in your life because you think you're being condemning and judging when Jesus actually has given you the authority to do so he's given you the authority to to to, to tell somebody say hey listen listen You're in walking in something that the Lord isn't approving of. We have to get our life right before the Lord. You see, that's serving somebody in humility. It's time to hold each other accountable to the word of God. Can I tell you that I'm thankful for the people of God that he has placed in my life that hold me accountable? And you should be too, amen? You should be thankful for the people that the Lord has surrounded you with that will hold you accountable. Because that's love. That is true love. That is is an example of the love of God in your life when somebody actually nudges you and says, hey, you need to get it right. Hey, stop slacking. Hey, you need to get your zeal up for the Lord. Hey, are you reading the word? Are you praying? Hey, are you serving? Are you honoring God in that relationship? Listen, we need to get back to that place where we hold one another accountable to what the word says. Amen. It's time to spur one another on to good deeds. Amen? It's time to encourage the fact that when somebody is doing something, encourage them to continue on doing it. When you see somebody that has a vision and they're out there and they're working and they're doing something for the Lord on their own, encourage them to continue. Amen? Encourage them. Say, come on, keep preaching it. Yeah, come on, keep keep praying. Come on, keep reaching out to those people and join them and help them. It's time to share our gifts with one another. It's time to sacrifice for each other because this is what humility looks like. Can I tell you what humility isn't? Humility isn't taking credit from God. It isn't glorifying in the fact that you prayed, you laid hands on somebody, you led somebody to Jesus, you hold a certain position in the church, you're liked by your peers, you're popular on social media, you think that somehow your contributions to God and the church are why something is happening? That's not humility. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says all of us who have become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Talk about like bursting your bubble and bringing you back down to earth. Romans 3:23 says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let me say this church, he is God alone. I said he is God alone. Amen? He's God alone. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation, for in Him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning and the firstborn from amongst the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. It says, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Somebody give Jesus glory tonight. Amen. He is why you exist. I said, he's why you exist. He is the engine that is fueling the revival, amen? He is why we pray, church. He is why we live. He is why we have purpose in our life. You see, the reason that I am standing here tonight is not because I am worthy. It's not because I'm a good preacher or I'm better than anybody else. It's because he alone saves and he alone calls and he alone qualifies. I'm standing here because of him. Because of him and him alone, church. And when we come to grip with the fact that we cannot do this on our own. When we come to grip with the fact that we cannot live this life without sacrifice and without his sacrifice, without remaining in his love, without complete surrender, we will never be able to serve him. We cannot do this on our own because it's a daily death of our will to submit ourselves to him. A daily death. Crucifixion. I believe what's been happening here at our church is a people, a people who have died to themselves in order to be revived by his spirit. What you're seeing isn't, isn't the emotions. It's not, you know, Uh, You know, it's not, you know, superficial things. It's not surface level things, but it's people that have died in order to be revived because they were dying to religion. And they're dying to self and they're beginning to die to false doctrine. Amen. I love that one. I love that one. I said, I love that one because there's a lot of people that are living in false doctrine and they're watching stuff on the internet and they think it's truth. They think it's Jesus. They think it's the gospel. When it's about you, it's not about him. And when it's about you, it's false. When it's been made to to succumb to your needs and to supply your needs and for your breakthrough and for your victory, it's diminishing the work on the cross. What's happening is a people who are dying to culture. Do you remember Romans chapter 12? How many of you remember Romans chapter 12? Let's go there just for a second. I didn't give it to the guys in the back, but guys, Romans chapter 12. Verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does it say? Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, we'll understand something in just a second. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Did you know that the patterns of this world means their ways of thinking? Their ways of thinking. The world's way of thinking is proud. Proud right? The world's way of thinking is, is self-love, right? You know, that's a big thing nowadays. You know, it's like, love yourself, man. You know, and, and there's people that are, you know, doing things and they're acting a certain way and they're, it's, it's all about you. Love yourself, you know, be yourself and all that kind of stuff. And listen, here it is saying, offer your body as a living sacrifice, What's a sacrifice? As we, as we know it in the Old Testament, a sacrifice was something that they brought to God. It was a fattened calf. It was a ram. It was, it was something that was, was, was their prized possession, and they would bring this offering to God. And they would lay the offering upon the altar. They would take this offering, and they would lay it upon the altar, and they would sacrifice it. It would die. So how do you become a living sacrifice? You die to self. You die to yourself, to your flesh, to your ways, to your mind, to your will, so that you can become alive in Christ. Amen. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I believe that no Christian should live in confusion. We live in moments of time where we, are, where we, we don't know the next step. I, I totally understand that. Where we don't know exactly what the next step will be, how the Lord is leading us. But the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. I might not know what the next step is, but I know that it's in his will. Amen? Amen. But there's a lot of people that are living in confusion because they're conformed to another way of thinking. They're conformed to another way of living, another way of thinking that I can live in my old mindset. I can live in my old way. I can live in my old, you know, desires of the flesh and somehow still please God. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It says here, you will only be able to test and approve what God's will is when you have been transformed, when your mind has been renewed. The first verse we read, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 tonight, we said, and put on this mind of Christ. This is what the Lord is looking for you and I to do, to die to culture to die to what the world is trending in, to die to what the world is trying to to, to vacuum you into, and into the ways of thinking, into the ways of dressing, into the ways of speaking, into the ways of looking. There's so many things the world is doing, church. And guess what? It has nothing to do with Jesus. This must become the standard, amen? This must become what we are holding fast to. We shouldn't be holding fast to trends of the world. We should be holding fast to the word of God. Amen? We should be holding fast to what, the world is, to what the word is telling us to do. I believe there's another death that's happening, and it's dying to sin. It's dying to sin. It's realizing that the moment that you said yes to Jesus, that you are no longer under the power and the curse of sin. See, some people don't realize that. Some people think, you know, oh, well, I'm just, I'm still stuck in this mortal body. I'm still stuck in this, in this body of death and decay. I'm still, you know, I, I'm always going to be bound this way. I'm always going to fail. Listen, we are mortal beings. We are finite beings. We are fallible people. But he has given us his spirit. Amen. He has given us his spirit that says that I have crucified and I have been crucified with Christ. And it's not me who lives, but who? But Christ who lives in me. That means that you can walk in, in, in this world outside of the power and the grip of sin. You can be free. Amen. You can be free from the bondage of sin. The Lord wants to revive those who are dying in sin. Some of you are looking at me and guess what? I don't know your business, but God does. I don't know your life and I don't know your secrets and I don't know. What your life represents behind closed doors, but God does. He sees it all. He sees everything, and He's asking us with the love of His Son. I love that verse, Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slow as some understand slowness, but He's waiting and He's wanting everyone to come to repentance. You see, revival, when it begins to happen, it's, like I said, it's a, it's a renewed conviction of sin. Some of you say things so flippantly now that you don't realize that it's, it's sinful. Or you think things, you know, I, I, I told DJ today, I'm at the point in my relationship with God where You know, and this is just how it's supposed to be, but it wasn't always that way. I'm at the point in my relationship with God where a thought that just comes into my mind, I rebuke that thing. Jesus said in his word, he said, if you even look at a woman or you look at somebody else lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. A renewed conviction of sin, church. A renewed conviction of sin, dying to sin. You see, any true revival can be proven by the fact that it changed the moral climate of an area or a nation. You see, I believe what is happening here is not going to stay here. It's going to begin to change the world around us. Amen. And it's not revival and a complete work of God until his spirit, listen to me carefully, and his love is taken outside the church. Amen? Amen. I said it's not revival and it's not a complete work of God until his spirit and his love is taken outside of the walls of church. You see, it's not revival until what is happening in you has an impact on those living around you. Amen? Amen. You see, what, what happens in your life is meant to be carried into the world. I think I posted on Facebook or something. I always post random stuff, so Just bear with me, I don't know. A lot of times it's not to get likes or shares, it's a reminder for myself. But I said that we are to be carriers and not barriers of his glory. We are to be carriers and not barriers of his glory. We're not supposed to be those that stand at the door and act like, you know, a a bouncer, you know, letting people, you know, who we want into the house of God. We're supposed to carry the glory outside of the church, amen, it begins within the body, that is once the body of Christ is postured in position before the Lord, he will work through your life to preach the kingdom, amen, he will work through your life to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons and offer salvation to a lost and dying world, Jesus modeled this perfectly, it was from a place of surrender to the father being empowered through prayer that he was able to release the kingdom to everyone that he met, But can I tell you, church, don't be discouraged after you pray for somebody and no one wants to come to church with you. Don't be be bothered by stuff like that. Don't all of a sudden just stop, you you know, witnessing and stop testifying because, you know, somebody didn't want to come to church. Oh, well, I guess I'm not, I'm never going to pray for anybody again. Don't be surprised if after a great work of God touches somebody's life that other people may not care. You post on Facebook, oh, my God, God did something amazing in my life this week. And guess what? Nobody liked it. Everybody saw it, but nobody liked it. Because more people are interested in what God's going to do for them, and they can care less for what God did for you. They can care less what God did for you. They're like, oh, they bought a new house. Oh, God gave them a new car. Do you know that when you honor others? It attracts blessing to your life. I need to teach you that one of these days. In other words, when you honor what God is doing in somebody else's life, it postures you to receive it into your life as well. Amen. Don't be bothered if after somebody is set free, you won't get more likes and shares on your video because you posted it. Why? Because even in the times of Jesus, people were transformed by the power of God, but yet they were more apt to live in bondage. Let me show you a verse. Mark, in, Mark chapter 5, verse 14. We know this story. This is Jesus was brought a man that was demon-possessed. Verse 14, it says, Those tending the pigs, they ran off and they reported this in the town and the countryside. And when the people went out to see what happened, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed By the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Does everybody understand what this says? He had been possessed by the legion of demons. You remember the story, right? Jesus walks up to this man and he's got this legion of demons in his life. And then they said, you know, our name is legion for we are many. And they had to ask Jesus for permission. They said, will you cast us into this herd of pigs? Jesus gave them permission. He cast them into a herd of pigs. The pigs run off a cliffside and they all die. And everybody's upset because somebody lost a bunch of bacon. So it says the man who had been possessed. That means he's no longer possessed by the legion of demons. He's sitting there dressed and in his right mind. He's finally healed. He's finally new. Amen, he's finally, he's finally set free, it says, and they were afraid. Are you serious? And they were afraid. It says, those who had seen it told the people, verse 16. They told the people what happened to the demon-possessed man, and they told about the pigs as well, because I guess that was part of the story. You know, it's more important to, you know, throw in the detail that a bunch of pigs ran off a cliff than a guy that got set free from demon possession for his entire life. Well, of course, we got our priorities, right? Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. What? What? They've been set free. He has been set free, and all of a sudden they're like, you know what? That guy's normal. This ain't normal. Leave Jesus. We're used to Crazy Joe, you know. We're used to, you know, this guy just being nuts all the time. I want us to understand this, church. We need to get this out of our minds that somehow God's work is about filling our church. I'll say it one more time. We need to get this out of our mind that somehow God's work is about filling our churches. And we need to purge our hearts of understanding that God's work isn't for us. It's for him. I'll say it again. It's not for us. It's for him. You're serving the king and his kingdom. Jesus didn't count the number of healings and he didn't tell his disciples to keep records of the number of miracles that he performed. He wasn't about his statistics as to boast and and present himself to say, look, look at my record. Look at how good it is. Look at how many things that I've done. So therefore I'm qualified to be king. No, he was king in himself alone. He was king because he was the son of God. He wasn't concerned about those things, but his focus was always on the father. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. His focus was always on the Lord. You see, culture and pastors and leaders and so many people of influence have completely distorted why we work and serve. They've completely distorted why we work and serve. You see, it's about living in obedience to the one who gave his son for your soul. And what has he commissioned us to do? Acts 26 and 16 says, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. He said, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. And I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. See, I have to stop here. People think it's only the pastor's job to preach the gospel and to witness. He sent you. Every single one of you that has said yes to Jesus, he has sent you. I don't care what they told you you can or can't talk about at work. He sent you. I don't care if your neighbor gets their feathers ruffled. He sent you. I don't care if people get bothered by what you post on your social media. He sent you, church. He sent you. It's his work. It's his kingdom. Stop letting others dictate what God has told you to do. What does it say? You, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. You know, it's the rescued church who become part of God's search and rescue team. I said, it's the rescued. It's those who know what their salvation really is. It's the rescued who become a revivalist. It's the repentant who take the gospel to the blind and hopeless so they can see and find hope. Colossians chapter 1 of verse 13. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. Psalm 18 and verse 28, you, Lord, keep my lamp burning, and God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop, and with my God, I can scale a wall. Oh, man, that should get you fired up. That should get you just excited because he says, you keep my lamp burning. It's you, Lord. With your help, I can advance against a troop. He didn't say, my army can advance against your army. He said, you can advance against an army. There is nothing that your God cannot do through your life, church. Isaiah 42 and verse six, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take a hold of your hand and I will keep you. And I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open... Eyes that are blind, and to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. He said, I am the Lord. That is my name. And I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. He says, See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare before they spring into being. I announce them to you. He is doing something, church. I said, He is doing something in our lives. Surrender all of yourself to Him tonight. The purpose for which He saved you is to reveal His love so that you could love others. And this has to become normal outside of church. This has to become normal once again. You know what Jesus said? He said, Don't fear man. He says you you could fear man and maybe what they might say or try to do to you. He said no fear God. Who can destroy both body and soul in hell? I'm not preaching a turner burn sermon to you. But this is what the word says. There has never been a revival of religion so long as the order of service has been strictly followed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can I help? I'm going to say it again. Sorry. That was might have passed over your head. There has never been a revival of religion so long as the order of service has been strictly followed. It says we are to be led by the Holy Spirit. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's never been about how well you can perform in this house. It's always been about how responsive we can be to his voice and to his word. Something just fly by. That was awesome. Everywhere Jesus went was because the leading of his Father and the Holy Spirit. But listen, church, it's impossible to be led if you're not following. It's impossible to be led if you're not following. I ask these few questions and then I'm done tonight. What has he done for you? Meditate on that just for a moment. What has he done for you? What has he done for you? How has he saved you? Think about it just for a minute. How has he saved you? I know how he saved me, but how has he saved you? What has he delivered you from? Hmm. You see, if you have no answer, you have no witness. If you're thinking and you're trying to say, well, I don't know. It's not because you're uneducated. It's because you haven't had an encounter with him. It's not because you're, you're, you, you, you haven't heard the word. It's because you haven't truly met him. What has he saved you from? But if you know what he's done for you, if you know what he has done for your life, if you have tasted of his glory, if you have had the grace of God to repair you in your brokenness, if you've experienced his healing touch move in your life, if he has saved you from a lifestyle of sin, addiction, and bondage, then you have a witness. You have a story. You have a A testimony. And like I said in the beginning, that will be like a key to unlock the chains off of somebody else's life because testimonies encourage faith. They release belief in his ability to perform what is asked of him. John 21 and verse 24 says, This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. And we know that his testimony is true. This is speaking about John the Beloved. Verse 25. And Jesus did many other things as well. Listen to this. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. (sighs) Do you know that that scripture includes your life? You see, if you have a story... And you have a witness and you have a testimony. You're in that book. You're in that part where it says, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room enough for the books that could be written. Because what he has done in your life The way that he has written this story and this plan for your life that you are now living in. And the way that he saved you yesterday and the way that he delivered you yesterday and the way that he healed you today and the way that he's going to lead you and guide you tomorrow. We are part of this. We are part of what God is doing in the earth. We are some that he has his eye has looked upon and the scripture says that we're so numerous church that we're like the grains of sand. We're so numerous in the earth. There's so many people. There's so many things that the Lord has done. Countless things. The earth could not fill. It's suggesting that the earth would be a library Said the whole earth wouldn't be a library big enough to recount all that he's done. I'll finish with this tonight. Even though Jesus has done so many things, so many countless wonders, it will never replace the assignment that's been given to you. I cannot rest on the works of yesterday, I cannot even rest on the word of today. When he said give us this day our daily bread, it was meant for us to consume it, receive it into our life, and give it to somebody else. When he said my body was broken you, for you and my blood was poured out for you, it wasn't just so that we could say thank you. This is, this is a great gift that you've given me, and now I just sit back and wait for, for, for my days to end and, and for me to just go to heaven. No. 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 You have an assignment. You have an assignment to testify of the one who's given his life for you. You have a test.